welcome to another episode of Living an Ultralight. This week, I have an incredible guest coming on. I've been seeing this guy the last three years at Cape Fear, and he's just a mythical, legendary figure in the ultra running sport, and I am so eager to get in and talk. So without further ado, let's welcome in Mr. Paul Heckert. Paul, you ready to go for a run? Uh, Sure. I already did one today, but... Okay, well, yeah, little, double. Little, I mean, little, that's kind of typical for you, isn't it? I'm tired from my last race. Yeah. So that was the, what? what's it called? The 72-hour one? Yeah, I did the Endless Mile 72-hour. That sounds amazing. And, so, yeah. where, that's down in Alabama? Yeah, it's uh, near Birmingham. So, yeah, I guess that counts as northern Alabama. I'm not exactly sure, but yes. Cool. And you uh, got 100 miles at that, right? Yeah, just over. I got 100 miles, took a nap, woke up an hour before the end of the race and hobbled another couple miles. That is awesome. That is awesome. Congratulations. Always good to get those hundos. So let's let's kind of start out with tell everybody who is Paul Heckert? What does he do when he's not out running these crazy races? And um, yeah, you, you just sort of your background. Okay, well, I'm just a, an old man who likes to run. I taught at Western Carolina University for over 30 years and retired a couple years ago, uh, teaching physics and astronomy. Uh, so now I like to run and visit with my grandbabies, grandchildren, and just have a good time, do what I feel like. That is awesome. And and Paul is one of those people. So at Cape Fear this year, we were supposed to have an eclipse. And Paul was prepared. He had eclipse glasses, but unfortunately, Paul, it didn't happen, did it? Well, the eclipse happened. We just couldn't see it because <laughs> right. it was pouring down rain. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, I had a lot of eclipse glasses left over from uh, eclipse in 2017. We live in the eclipse path of that one. Okay. But there's also one in April 8th, next April 8th, and I already have reservations for a hotel in Central Texas to go out and be in the path of totality for that one. That would be awesome. So, Paul, how many eclipses would you say that you've seen in your lifetime? Well, the one in 2017 was the only total solar eclipse I've ever seen. Okay. I've seen, I don't even know how many like lunar eclipses and partial solar eclipses. I've never kept track but a fair number and uh but the total solar eclipse was just the most awesome eclipse i've ever seen and i i compared a partial solar eclipse to a total solar eclipse like the difference between finishing your local 5k and finishing vol state yeah no kidding that's that's a great comparison (laughs) yeah so how did you get into physics and astronomy well, I was always interested in the sky as, as a young child. My father, in I think 1962, maybe, uh, there was a partial solar eclipse where we lived at the time and projected it onto a sheet of paper in, the, in our yard. And I always liked looking at the night sky and decided to do it for a living. That's amazing. So now, did you grow up in the Carolinas or? Uh, we moved to central North Carolina when I was about 10. Okay. And before that, I would had quite an itinerant childhood. And then uh, my parents moved away when I was in college. And 
Then in the late 80s, we moved back to North Carolina, took a job at Western Carolina. That is amazing. And 30 years at Western Carolina. So you saw a lot of changes in Western Carolina during that time, didn't you? Huge amount of growth. Yes. Yeah, because that used to be just a little bitty college, didn't it? It was when I came here. Now it's pretty big. Yes. So well, where did the running start? Have you always been a runner? Pretty much. When I was in ninth grade, I was the most unathletic kid in the class. And for some reason I can't fathom, I went out for the wrestling team. And that fall, this thing was the fall of 1967, I was 14. And the coach made us go on, there was like a nature trail behind the school. And we ran on there to get in shape for wrestling. And I've been running ever since. Wow, that's a lot. 1967 to now, I'm I'm doing the math in my head. That's 50 it, something that's years. 60 years, isn't it? Yeah, well, but, in a few more years, it'll be 60. Yeah. That's awesome. That is incredible. And you still move just fine. I, you know, seeing you down I, at Cape Fear. I think I move pretty slowly. <laughs> well, you, you may move slowly, but you know what? How many people your age are still out there rocking it? Not many, yep. but a few. Yeah, and we get to see them all at Cape Fear, too. That's what I love about it. So did you run in college also then? Not competitively. I was on the wrestling team in college and uh, ran to get in shape for wrestling. And somewhere along the way, I figured out I was really running because I liked running. It took me a few years to figure that out. When did you start running the ultramarathon distances? Well, when I was in my early 20s, 1976, I ran my first marathon. I ran several marathons in the 70s. I'm not sure exactly how many, maybe half a dozen to a dozen, somewhere in that range. Then I didn't do any marathons for a long time. Got busy raising kids and doing that kind of stuff. And about 20 years ago, I said, I want to do another marathon. So I ran another marathon, the, the Ellerby Marathon. And talking to enough people there, I heard about ultras for the first time. And so someone mentioned Lake Hinson to me. And so I eventually got brave enough to sign up for a 24-hour race. And that was my first ultra. And I've been doing ultras ever since. What year did you run Lake Henson for the first time? That's a good question. Maybe 2008, plus or minus a year. I Don't quote me on that. Somewhere back in that. there was a, It was the third year they had it. Okay. Wow. So and and you, year since. have you run it every year since? Yeah, I missed the first two, but I've run it every year since. And of course, in 2020, it was canceled because of the uh, little pandemic that they had. Yeah, I vaguely remember something about a pandemic in 2020. Yeah, a whole lot yeah. of races were canceled then. Yep. How has Lake Henson treated you like 24 hours? Is that one of your favorite races or what would you say, Lake Henson, you keep going back? Yeah, it, it, it's a really good race. It's done well, and I really like it. And know a lot of the people there, and they uh, give special numbers to the people with the top 24 highest total miles in, in the race for cumulative, and I've worked up to number five. And so That's that amazing. keeps going back because I want to – although there's number six is like she's up to eight miles behind me. So she oh, might wow. next year. <laughs> okay. You got, you got to have a solid year next year. I better, yeah. There you go. So how many miles do you have cumulative at Lake Henson then? I need 87 more miles to get a thousand. Maybe I wow. can do that in two years. I'm down to, I can lucky to be able to do a little over 40 miles in 24 hours anymore. Right. What's your best 24 hour race? 
back in 2013. So 10 years ago, I managed to do about 85 at the delirium race. So that's my okay. 24 hour PR. Uh, so that's somewhere amazing. in the neighborhood of 85, I don't know exactly. Cool. And have you run any like strict hundred milers or just pretty much the 24 hour format? I've never done a hundred mile in the traditional 30 hour time limit. Okay. I tried, I tried one, one time that had a 32 hour time limit and I got pulled at 91 miles because it was wow. 31 and a quarter hours, but I've done a number of hundred miles at multi-day races and I've done Vol State a few times with 300 plus miles, but with a 10 day time limit. How many times have you done Vol State? Four successes and four fails. Wow. Yeah, that's a hard race. Everybody keeps on telling me I have to do it, but I'm just like, I am just not a heat and humidity runner. And I, I don't know, man, it's, 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 got, it's, it's intimidating it's me. It's hard. Well, you could try, there's a, there's a baby version called the Bloody 11W. It's Labor Day weekend. Right. It's from Knoxville to Bristol, a tire length of Route 11W, which is 111 miles. Uh, but if you can't make the whole thing, there's a 100 mile fun run option. And that course is also a, a LAS created course. So, you know, it's nice and easy, like just oh, like Ball of course, no yeah. hills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's only, only, only one hill. It's the entire length. Or something. No. Exactly. That's awesome. You were telling me about that this year at Cape Fear, the couple of loops that I did with you. And I'm really, really intrigued by this, but I can't find it anywhere. Did, where do I, where do I have to go to find there's it? There's a, there's a Facebook page, bloody 11 W race on very, very low key. There's no entry fee, although it's nice to make a contribution to the race director. And, you know, somewhere around July or maybe even August, there'll be a post on the Facebook page. Oh, we're trying to organize this year again. Okay. So you, you got to watch for it. I was co-racer with Diane Taylor for years. Then when we had a dozen people, that was too much organization for me. I, I don't do that well. <laughs> so Diane Taylor seems to have taken over again. That's amazing. And how many times have you done the Bloody 11W? I've started every year since 2012 which was wow. the second year that I didn't know about it the first. I've had three NFs. I think I've finished the full 111 four times and either four or five times I've uh, done the fun run. That's awesome. Just a hundred. Yeah, it's only high. It's, 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 so it's just a fun run, yeah. <laughs> that is still awesome though. That's amazing. Only, only last week was something like that. Exactly. Yeah, a fun run being, you know, a hundred miles and yeah. <laughs> but the last 11 miles are really brutal. Really? Yeah. So what it's is, a, I mean, it, is it, is fun. it all along? So I'm, I'm taking it. It's all around all, all along highway 11, right? Well, 11 splits into 11 W and 11 E in uh, Knoxville. Then they join back together again in Bristol. So it's all along 11 W. Okay. Huh. And it's, right. it's I'm, I'm, I'm going to find that. it on Facebook and. You never know. I may I may just end up there yeah. next Labor Day weekend. Yeah, but you won't get a lot of advance notice, and there's no official, no, there's nothing on ultra sign up, an official sign up. It's sort of a low key fat ass type event. I like fat ass events. They're fun. They are. They're, I think they're designed for really extremely crazy people, which is good. Yeah, this is it. You know, that's that's and it's it's a baby version. I did it. The first time I DNF'd, I only got 85 miles, but it was the year before I did Ball State the first time. Okay. made all the rookie mistakes, but I learned what I needed to know to finish a, a long journey race. And 
I think that's probably why I was able to finish Wall State the first time. Yeah. I did my first journey race last, this February. I did the Swami Shuffle 200 Okay. Yeah. and uh, loved it. I I fell in love with it. I was just like, this is the most challenging thing I've ever done, but absolutely loved it. That's where uh, Joey Lichter taught me the phrase. He said, yeah, you're going screwed. And I was like, huh? Yep. That's <laughs> he, right. he explained self, to me the, the uncrewed is called screwed and And uh, I was like, okay, I guess I am screwed because I got to figure all this out on my own. But I loved it. It was amazing. It is. It is. Yeah. And it, the screw pretty much describes your situation. You know, if you get to the convenience store there, you're counting on the resupply and you get there after it closes, you're screwed. Yes, you are. Yeah. And I, I did. <laughs> I I thought I was going to make it to this convenience store in Hatteras before going to the lighthouse and uh, got there five minutes after the gal walked out and I tried begging her <laughs> to please open up and she was having none of it, mainly because she didn't have a key to open the door. She only had the key to lock the door. She probably also wanted to go home, you know, like Yeah, get off I'm work, sure she did that because kind it was of stuff. off season very boring. So, yeah, but yeah, so that was, that was a long night that night. So. Not a big deal, though. Yeah, it's all fun. So, Paul, what got you into the journey runs? Because that seems to be where you've gravitated to the journey runs in 24 hours. What is
probably the coolest encounter I ever had was a, a journey race, was a, sort of a few miles in from Lake Erie along Route 20 from, you know, in New York, Pennsylvania, through Erie, Pennsylvania, and then into Ohio. Right. Price State 108, and then with a 100-mile fun run option. So 3 o'clock in the morning, 85 miles or so into the race, this dark, deserted road, someone behind me says, hey, how are you? And I said, I'm fine. How are you? And then it was, uh, I'm blessed. Jesus loves you. And it no turned out to be a 70-year-old woman named Allie who was riding her bicycle from Buffalo to South Dakota. Not a nice, fancy touring bike and an old school, one-speed bike loaded down with all kinds of stuff and signs that said, Jesus is Lord, because she's doing it for Jesus. And I thought, man, this lady's crazy. And then I thought, you know what she's doing is no crazier than what I'm doing. So Exactly. Uh, uh, she she walked her bicycle and had no trouble keeping up with me because at that point I was so tired. And so she wow. walked to the where I finished the hundred and then she went on. Hopefully she made it to South Dakota. I haven't we had dinner That's amazing. information. So I haven't heard anything about her since, but that was just a really cool encounter. Yeah, that would have been fun. That would have been a really neat thing out in the dark at three in the morning on what you think is a deserted road. That, that sounds awesome. Totally fearless about talking to a total stranger. I think she had infinite faith that the Lord would protect her. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever met Terry Wurzbacher? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just saw her. She was at Endless Mile. Okay. She, when I finished the 100, she was like less, maybe 30 seconds behind me and finished her 100. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, I, I, one of the years when I failed at Ball State, I, I crewed her in to the finish, too. Okay. So I know her very well. She's an amazing woman. I had her on a couple of weeks ago and I was just like so amazed, but that this little tiny woman and just, she just gets it done, Paul. She amazes me. I can't keep up with her. She's way too fast for me. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. So you're keeping on doing this stuff. What's next on Paul's list of things to do? Good question. I want to keep doing time format races. I, I think I need to do races and just adventures that don't have time limits. So I'm going to try to uh, come up with my own little journeys to take without time limits. That's fun. I Yeah, I do the same thing. I go, you know, I wonder if I could go from here to here and get somebody to pick me up when I get down to this other right. end or you know, turn around and come back. So, yeah, I do that every once in a while, just wander off and into nowhere, tell my wife I'll be back. I did that last summer for the first time. I just went to the county courthouse in, in the next county over. The round trip was about 50 miles. So I, I did that a couple of times. And that was kind of fun. So that's sort of getting my feet wet on, on, on doing stuff like that. Yeah, it's just sort of one of those things where it's like, you know, it it just feels right. I'm going to go do it and you go get it done. And it's like, OK, I did that. I wonder what else I can do. Yeah. So I want to maybe come up with some longer adventures. I have to figure that out to exactly what to do. Yeah. So what are some of your favorite stories from, you know, some of your 24 hour races? Because you've done just a ton of 24 hour races. Oh, good question. I've met a lot of people. My very first uh, 24-hour race, there's this guy come along and said his name was Ray. 
I didn't have any idea who he was. I was wondering if it was his first ultra and it turned out to be Ray K who's done, I don't know, 500 and something ultras or whatever. Yeah. But I didn't know him at the time. So I've known him ever since at that same race. I didn't bring a tent to set up because I didn't know people did that. And there was this guy I met. It was his first ultra. He was, was a guy, a friend, and the guy, the wife. So it was three of them there. They had a tent set up. They did 50 miles by about midnight and were just totally exhausted and spent and just ready to go home. Didn't have the energy to take their tent down. So they made me an offer. If, if you can take the tent down in the morning, it's yours. Well, that's awesome. And I actually turned them down because I was so tired. I said, there's no way I don't have enough energy to take a tent down in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so they gave it to someone else. But uh, so I still don't take, usually don't take tents and set them up. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to have the energy to, to, to take them down at the end of the race. Right. Cause you usually come and you're usually in your truck, right? Well, in my car. Yeah. Car. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I got it. I just traded in a car. So I got one with more room now so I can just sleep in the front seat. And I have a little, it's called a tent cot that I've, I've slept in a lot too, that I can set up and sleep in the night before the race. That's awesome. So now does your wife do any of these crazy things with you? No, no, she does. <laughs> she, she, she likes her horses. She likes her quilts. Uh, she has other interests and running is not one of them. She's always exercised. Uh, right now she really enjoys pickleball, but not, not long runs, hikes yep. occasionally, but not long ultra type runs. Now, are any of your kids or grandkids runners? Well, the grandkids are not old enough to be runners yet. Okay. Um, my second daughter, she did do a marathon one time and she does a lot of swimming and that kind of stuff. Her husband does triathlons. Uh, my older daughter, she she uh, did do a half marathon many years ago. I forget exactly what year, but uh, right now they're just busy raising kids and that kind of yep. stuff. Along the way, I mean, you've obviously done a lot of these things and you seem to be a very systematic type of guy. Do you have a system to successfully doing these 24-hour and multi-day races? Mostly just being too stupid to know when to quit. <laughs> I, you know, a lot of people get, get very technical, you know, work out details and, and stuff like that. But as a scientist, my work is very, you know, tedious and technical and you have to do everything exactly this way and that kind of stuff. I refuse to make my play like my work. So in, in my runs, I just do what I feel like. I don't have a plan for when I'm going to take breaks. I take breaks when, I feel tired and need it. And same way with eating, you know, I get hungry, then I'll eat something or get thirsty. I'll drink something, but I don't, I don't plan things ahead of time that way. Cause that's awesome. too, much, too much like my work. And this is my play. I like the way you put that. So basically your run is a complete departure from the way that you work. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't get into all, all the technical detailed analysis and stuff like that because Again, that's well. What's my work before I retire? But uh, so I don't. I don't get all technical about my running. I just do what I feel like. And it's worked for an awfully long time. So obviously, well, it's I'm a good thing. Still, still moving, however slowly. I'm still moving. 
it doesn't matter how slowly, man. I mean, you're still out there moving the distances that you're moving and and doing it and doing it all, you know, with a smile. And you're very encouraging to everybody. That's one of the things that really attracted me to wanting to go, okay, who is this guy? I gotta meet this guy. Cause you're you're just very encouraging to everybody as you go around the track. And it's it's I love that. I think that's part of what is magical about the ultra running community. Yeah, I think that is part of the ultra culture. And and you see someone in trouble, you stop and help them out. And I've done that a few times. And many times people have stopped and helped me out when I had a problem. You know, just sometimes it's just tiredness. And But uh, yeah, ultra runners help each other out. Yeah. I think it's because it's, totally it's a, a departure from our work lives, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. I think partly because ultra running is so hard that there's this mutual respect. Anyone that's out there doing it, whether they're in, in the front of the pack or in the back of the pack or 10 miles behind the pack, which is where I am, uh, there's there's a certain amount of, of respect for anyone that's out there doing it. And so we help each other out. Yeah. When I first started into the sport, I remember um, somebody telling me, yeah, Mike, you've got to you got to ease off the intensity a little bit because this is not that the, this is not a road race. This is not a marathon where you're, you 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 got to go out and you got to lay down your best time. This is go out and do the best you possibly can, but be such a gentleman about it that everybody else can do the best that they can, too. And yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Although I don't don't equate roads with that because there's a lot of really awesome ultras are on roads like journey right. race, uh, or, you know, they're on roads rather than trails. But it's, so it's the distance rather than the surface. Right. That is awesome. So, Paul, like when you, you know, the name of the podcast is Living an Ultra Life. So what's the thing that kind of comes to your mind when you hear living an ultra life? Living an ultra life. Just going to races whenever you can. I get that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. and then training between races. So I do a lot of running and walking between races because you have to train for them. You can't just go into something like that untrained. Not very well anyway. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's awesome. So if you were going to be talking to somebody that they're getting ready to run their first ultra marathon, what would what would you suggest to them? I could sum it up in four words. Show up, okay. don't quit. Show up, don't quit. That's what you've been doing your whole that. life, isn't it? I could give more details than that, but that's really what it boils down to. Show up, don't quit. Yeah. And then, then I would tell people other things too, but uh, mainly just you get you just got to keep going. If you're totally exhausted, stop and take a break, but don't quit. Yeah. And keep going till they tell you you cross the finish line and you can stop, or they say you're too far behind. We're pulling you, so you have to stop. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a it's a mindset, really. The start and don't stop, and yeah, it's just getting getting your mindset right, isn't it? That's that's, that's a lot of what it is. Yeah, it's there's a lot of a big mental component uh, that you you have to be determined and you have to want it really bad. That sort of stuff, whatever whatever the race distance is, but to go those long distances. Yeah. It's true for marathons too. And for people that are just starting out, it might be true for a 5K or a 10K too. Exactly. Yeah. I remember my first 5K. That was the hardest thing I thought I'd ever done. Right. <laughs> until yeah. you try until you tried a longer one, right? That's right. And then, you know, I just kept on running longer and 
I haven't quite figured out what you know, my body's capable of yet. So I keep on pushing the envelope. So, yeah, someday I may, someday I may, may be smart enough to stop, but I, I don't think so. <laughs> Until then, I'm just going to keep on running. That's pretty much what I've been doing. That is awesome. Well, Ray, you're, I mean, there's so, so much that you have to offer this sport. And it's just been such an honor to get to know you a little bit and just to, you know, get to do a few miles at Cape Fear with you and totally awesome. What's next on your racing schedule? Well, I just finished the the Endless Mile. That was what, a little over a week ago. And I don't have any races I'm signed up for until next February. I have the, uh, the Ellerbee Marathon. Okay. And that was the first one when I first came back after 20 some years of not doing any marathons. So I've done that every year since. And so it'd be my 21st consecutive Ellerbee Marathon. Oh, wow. That's awesome. 21st yeah. consecutive. Uh, the, the race director, Doug, is a very, very patient man. Last year, it took me over nine and a half hours to finish, and he just waited, and, and there was still some of the race food left. He made sure that there were some quesadillas left. They'd gotten a little cold, but there were still some left. That's amazing. What an awesome guy. That's totally cool. Yeah, he's, again, he's very, very patient. So that's next on the agenda. Awesome. Awesome. And that's going to be in February, correct? Yeah, towards the end of February. Perfect. And a week or two later is the Conquer the Wall 47 hour. Okay. And, and you've done that one a couple times too, right? I think I've done it. I did it last year and I did it a few years back. Missed a few years because of the pandemic and just conflicts, other conflicts. I think there was an injury one year. And uh, then there's three days at the fair. That was okay. my first. That was my first hundred. I went there to a multi-day race to try and get a hundred miles. And so awesome. I like doing that one. They have a, a, now it's up to a six day race. So, okay. I'm I doing was, my first six days at the six days in the dome next June. Okay. Yeah. I haven't done that one. That's my 60th birthday present to myself. Okay. Cause I figure you got to give yourself a you know 60th birthday present. I mean, most people who knew me as a teenager, considered a miracle that i've lasted until 60 lasted so 50. okay well <laughs> you know i just had my 70th so maybe i should get seven days there you go yeah well they have a 10-day option now so maybe when you turn 100 you go do the 10 they days the day that might take me 100 that <laughs> take me that long to get a marathon or something <laughs> i have this feeling that paul heckert is still going to be running at 100 mile at 100 years old well, first of all, I have to still be alive at 100. We'll see if that works out. If you're alive, oh. I can totally picture you out grooving on a 24-hour course someplace, Lake Henson, Cape Fear, Tideland, one of those, just out there having a good time and encouraging everybody around you. I can totally picture that. No, that, that might be my 5K at that point. But... <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? It'll be the best daggone 5K you've ever done. Probably, yes. There you go. Well, Paul, I really appreciate you spending a little bit of time with me. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time on Living an Ultralife.